Well, good morning. Uh, if you need Mike's phone number, his phone number is at the welcome desk. I know he asked for you to get a hold of him, and so you can get his phone number there. You can reach him there. Uh, months ago, when uh, we were assigned different verses and different topics that we will speak on, and uh, I ended up getting, uh, the first time so far, uh, I don't know, I can't remember when, when this has been happened. I've always been assigned a topic, and uh, Ben says, speak on anything you want on that day. That just seemed so easy until I started thinking about it. No, no, I won't do that. No, yes, I'll do, no, I won't do that. And, uh, and I remember I was just toiling in a little bit, and God just really, really put in my heart, what is the theme message that I have burned into your soul that made a difference in your life that basically made you make a change from walking uh, in a different direction with your life to declaring that you would preach the gospel for the rest of your days on this earth? And it was clear uh, what God wanted me to do. It was clear because that is still fresh in my mind. And I would like to at least share with you that gospel. Uh, the word good news or the gospel, have you, when somebody says, have you shared the gospel? Uh, the gospel uh, we kind of take, uh, even like the song we were singing. I love the song because in that song, you may not know it, but it takes on the two parts of the gospel. And the gospel that I remembered so early in my Christian life because I was so absolutely taken back uh, because I had never heard the salvation message ever before in my life. I'd gone to church, uh, I'd become an altar boy, I'd done a lot of things that I thought I was supposed to do, and then one day the veil was lifted and a guy, David Wilkerson, shared something that I could actually know the living God, which blew me away. And that night I remember going forward and I, I remember thinking, why in the world isn't the world jumping up and down at this that they can actually know God? And so I made it my mission at that point that I was going to tell everybody I could about this gospel. And the word gospel literally means good news. We've translated gospel, but the word means good news. And there's two parts to that. One is the good news that Christ came, he died for your sins so that you and I could respond to his call to be invited into his family and that we could have eternal life and go to heaven. And God's grace let me see hundreds if not thousands of people come to faith and I loved that. I loved it. I did not know that something was gonna happen in my life as I was going on in my life and I was uh, doing my best to live this Christian life and doing my best to tell everybody I knew about Christ, my entire physical, emotional, and mental health literally collapsed. I fell apart. I had no strength. I wanted to die. I did not know what in the world had happened and God pretty much put on my heart that I had heard and I had been teaching an incomplete gospel. I had been teaching the gospel of salvation in terms of coming to salvation with Christ, but I had not understood 
the rest of the message. Paul talks about this in the scriptures. He said, Apollos, who has come and preached to you the way, the right things he's preached to you, but we took him aside and taught him the rest of the gospel. He said to the Romans, he said, I, I'm eagerly, dis, I, I, I'm just aching to preach to you the full gospel. Now, he was talking to believers. In Thessalonians, he said, you have heard this, but I can't wait to get face to face to you so that you might understand the complete message. And God took some time in my life, and he began to open up my heart so that I might be able to embrace, at least in my mind, it's still working to get in my heart, the rest of the message of the gospel, the good news. Some of you are in here, I know you, I know your gifts, you're gifted in evangelism, and I am absolutely excited about that. Early on in my life, that's kind of where I thought my gifts were, and so I shared with anything and everything that would move, as Tom knows. Tom says I burned his arm with a match and told him hell was hotter than that, but I, I don't know if that was my tactic. But I want him into the kingdom no matter what. He swears it's true. I live in denial a lot, my, my wife or my sister said. But the good news, what is this good news? It's clear the first part of the gospel is good news because you and I cannot earn our way into God. Many of us tried. I tried with my religious efforts of trying to make myself right with God, and I came to the conclusion that I can't, that everything I was doing was like filthy rags. I could not get myself right with God. And so the good news was that God made himself right with me, and that was exciting to me. That was truly the gospel to me. It was truly good news to me. But I went on in my Christian life living the way this world system has taught all of us to live. We live, and it's been bred into us, it says not one guy or not one woman is not squeezed into the world's mold and has taught us to live in a world system that tells you to achieve, and you can get what you want by achieving. So we get on this achieving thing, achieve this, achieve that, and even try to achieve the value of God's love. When Paul was awakened to this message, and it took him a lot longer, 14 years it took him that God introduced him to the rest of the gospel, which he then called my good news. Now remember, he was writing to already believers, so the gospel that we're going to talk about today is for you and me, even if we've come to faith. A verse I'd like to have us look at is Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Romans chapter 5, 5 verse 17. The entire thing is capitalized in this. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, Adam, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. In the message it says there's no comparison between that death-dealing sin and this generous life-giving gift. If death got the upper hand through the one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life, the sovereign life 
in those who will grasp with both their hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting that the one man Jesus Christ only provides. You see, it says that they would, you would receive, not achieve, a gift, not something you could earn. And so, as I went on in my life, I did not realize that I simply did what the Galatian people had done. Paul writes to them, he says, you foolish, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has tricked you? Who has lied to you? When you came to faith, did you come by your own efforts and earning your salvation? Or was it a free gift of God by faith? Easy to answer that question. Then he says, then why do you think you can continue now living your life, the rest of your life, through your own efforts and what you achieve? In the same way that you received Christ is the same way that you live life. And I remember some people were beginning to talk to me about this, and it was just confusing to me. I thought, well, what do you mean? I don't get this. And in Corinthians, it says that the, the veil had been unlifted from my eyes, the veil of Moses, which was the, the life of an old covenant, which was a covenant of achieving and doing things for God. He said, but I have given you a new covenant. Remember, the word covenant is God's promise of something he will do. But I've given you a new covenant that makes the old covenant obsolete. And the new covenant is this. I came so that you might come to faith so that we could have a relationship and the living Christ could come and dwell inside your life and you could then live the way man and women were intended to live on this planet in the same manner that I showed you how to live on this planet. And he said, this is, this, this is the mystery of the gospel. This is the mystery of the good news that Jesus Christ actually inhabited my life so that his life could live through my life without my achieving efforts. It was foggy when I first heard this. I was confused, but something stirred in my heart. Something said, that's it, that's something I've been missing. This promise of joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and righteousness and self-control, I get little glimpses, but to actually let those be mine and let them permeate my life, I know I'm missing something. As Apollos was, as Paul was, as the Thessalonians were, as the Ephesians were. He said, Bill, this is the difference. The good news is in the same way that you came to me by me drawing you to me is the same way that I want you to understand how to live life. And Jesus became man on this planet, laid down his right of Godship. It says that he no longer counted equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself and took on the form of man. And being found in human form, he basically gave himself up so that he might die on a cross. And he said, now basically I want you to understand something. I am going to teach mankind how mankind lives life, not how God lives life because I laid down those. I'm going to live as a man on this planet. And what he did, he said, 
I do everything the Father does through me. I say only what the Father says through me. You look at me, you see the Father because I am an exact representation of the Father because I don't live out of my efforts or my strength. I never live independent of my Father. And likewise, when I die and when I go, you should be rejoicing instead of letting your hearts be troubled. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And he said, so that you might understand what it is to live, when I go, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, and I will dwell inside you. I will send the comforter, and the Holy Spirit will come and inhabit your life so that you can live the exact same way that I lived. You will then do that which I tell you to do, and you will only act on the things that I've asked you to, asked you to do. Now, by the way, when I first started understanding this, I said, oh, God, how cool it must have been for you just to, every time somebody asked you a question, you just said whatever the whole, or the, your father told you to say. I found out when I was studying for this, it wasn't like that. Because he was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted. When somebody comes and, and uh, says something horrible against you, I promise you that little thought that you want to respond back, those thoughts hit Jesus too because he was tempted in every way that you were tempted. But he knew the Father so well that he recognized that was not a thought from the Father, and therefore he only did and said what the Father asked him to do. My heart for you, my heart for me, because this has been a lifelong journey. I've walked with God for 50 years, and it seems like I just began it. But I want you to realize some things here. I want you to realize that the rest of the gospel, that gospel was the purpose you were called to be here because it demands a relationship one-on-one -on -one with God and God is all about relationships. You see, you can live under the old system and not have a relationship with God. You can do all the things that it tells you to do as a Christian. You can read your Bible, memorize your verses, you can go to church, you can give to the poor, you can do all these things and you don't even have to have a relationship with God because a lot of people are doing it and I was doing it. I even carried it over into my marriage. I wanted to be the, just the most awesome husband and so I read all the books on what good husbands do and I did what good husbands do. I would make the phone calls and give her the gifts and say all these wonderful things and I just kept checking them off and I missed the relationship with my wife. God wants you and I to have a relationship with him and that's why he has set up life the way he did so that you and I might understand the good news, the gospel, which is the mystery, which is Christ inside man so we can have that union within him and then, as Nick said a couple weeks ago, he said, you want to get love right, get God right. Ben last week made a comment that I want to ask you a question. He said, the biggest problem with Christians is unbelief. Unbelief. Do you believe what I have just said? As a matter of fact, let me read a couple of scriptures and you think about if you believe this. Now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not even gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed its glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because it's the glory that now surpasses it.
For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. This mystery, it says in Colossians, has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not, relig- not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out. Regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing, the mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ in you. He is in you. So therefore, you can look forward to the sharing in God's glory. It is that simple. That is the substance of our message. We preach Christ, warning people not to add to this message. We teach it in the spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. And to be mature is to be basic Christ, no more, no less. And this is what I'm working hard day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy that Christ does through me. This is Paul's letter to the Colossians. So do you really understand this? Do you really believe it? I believe it is one of the most profound things. It is, when you hear it, it is good news. Once again, after this was revealed to me, it was in 1979, I didn't know really what it was, but my heart knew this is good news. I no longer have to live wearing myself out and burning myself out and wearing out my own batteries. I can plug in to a life source like an AC power and the life of God can actually flow through me. I was so relieved. I came back to Rapid City after leaving baseball. I called a whole bunch of people together, got my living room, and I began to tell them this message. This was a consistent thing from the spouses of the people I talked to. What did he have to say? All of them said the same thing. I have no clue, but he was sure excited about it. (laughs) And I didn't. I just knew it was a different way than the world was living life. And I didn't want to live the way that I had lived life ever again. I wanted to live the way life was designed to live by letting the life of God live through me. Now, I can assure you this today, that I have not done it without a lot of hitting the rumble strips on the side of the road. You know the rumble strips on the road? They're not there to condemn you and say, you moron, idiot, get back in the road. Now, unless you're texting, then it might be saying that. They're simply to say, you're off to the left. Be safe in the middle. There's a verse that says, and you will hear a word whispering in your ear behind you whenever you get to the right or get to the left, and it's going to say, this is the way, walk in it. When you wear yourself out by trying to do all these things and trying to achieve, you're going to tire out, you're going to burn out, and you're not going to experience the fruits of the Spirit. And it's going to remind you to go back into the middle where you and I were belong and where we're supposed to live. Folks, that is good news. That is the gospel. It is the gospel that you can scream out to people. This is about God, not about you and your achievements and you and your performance. This is about the living God living through you. And I'll tell you what, when he lives through you, it is absolutely amazing. And as I began to look at that, lots and lots of verses came to me, but I... I 
decided, how can I make this more practical? And so I'm going to share with you something that happened in my life that made this extremely practical in my life. And I'm going to challenge you with this. What I'm about to talk about, at least in my life, it jumped my relationship with God way forward. I began to experience more of God than I ever had in my whole life because of this one truth being revealed in the good news. And when it happened, I began to realize, wow, this caused me to put myself in a place of trust I had never done before. And I'm going to challenge you. This is a tough topic. But I want you to see the practical application of the good news that it's not just the theology. It is actually designed to be in your heart, in your life, in your living room. And I'll give you one example of when this began to happen to me. I was reading, as I always have read for 50 years, a proverb, whatever day it was. And I came across Proverbs 20, well, 11.1, and it hit me at 11.1, and then again, about 10 days later, I read Proverbs 21. Proverbs 11.1 said, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. What? And I, I had that same thing. What? Why, why are we staying here, God, on this verse? And he said, a false balance is an abomination. That word abomination is an awful word. The word uh, used is also used uh, in a very perverted sexual act with animals. God said, that is an abomination. I don't even want to look on you with that. And it's the same word he uses for a, for a false balance. And it made me just think, oh, that's yucky. But a just weight is his delight. And I let it go at that, but it stuck with me for a while. And then 10 days later, I'm reading chapter 21 in Proverbs. And it says, the getting of any kind of treasure or any money by a, by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor in the pursuit of death and is an abomination. And here's what God did in my life. He said, a, a false balance is this. With your resources and your money and your whatever it is that you have as possessions, when you deal falsely or cunning, the word means cunning or sly or foxlight or a con artist, with those things so that you might gain for yourself, it's an abomination to me. And he began to make it very, very clear, which I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to do in your life. And here's what I believe about your resources. I believe in the Christian life, you and I can fake the Christian life in a lot of ways. There's a lot of people out here faking it, as you saw. But you can't hardly fake the Christian life when it comes to your money. Because if God isn't who he says he is, you're going to starve to death you're going to have to put your trust in a God to take care of you rather in your own cunning ways of trying to preserve your resources. We have so many people, I can talk to them about any subject, and I hit their money or I hit their nest egg, and they clam up, and they are frightened to death. Don't touch that area. Because we want to live by our own performance and our own methods 
in trying to keep safe and protect ourselves, and we can't really be honest about this policy because this policy, if you really know the full truth about it, you won't buy it from me. We can't be honest about this, uh, whatever I'm selling over here completely because if I get completely honest, you might not buy it from me. I can't tell you about another product that might be better than the one I'm selling because if you found that out, you might not buy it from me. And if you didn't buy it from me, I will starve to death. It hit me because I went from playing professional baseball to going on support in a nonprofit corporation. You know what support meant? I lived off of whatever people might send through the mail in an envelope. And it was not fun and it was not easy for the first 15 to 20 years. I'd go to the mailbox and I'd open it up and I'd have air mail. That meant nothing but air in there. And I would instantly think, I'm going to starve to death and so my family is going to be somehow, the mission wasn't here yet, but if it was, we would have been down on the street. So I didn't even realize how cunning I could be. I began to have a, a false balance in my life. And the false balance was just this. I may not tell you fully everything about my life because it may chance you may not give to me. And so if somebody just came and dropped off a great gift to me and just said, Mike drops off this gift and I've got this gift. My gosh, that's so cool. Look, we got a check, honey, we got a check. And Tom says, how's your finances? Oh, they're suffering. So that I might get another check. I know this probably happens to none of you. But it began to show me where I was and God said, what is the gospel of good news that I gave you to start to proclaim? Why are you doing what you're doing? And God said, do you not understand the rest of the gospel? In Romans, uh, in Romans 1 when it says, the gospel is the power of salvation, but then it says, but it is also the road of righteousness. It's the righteousness of God. Do you not know that back in Ecclesiastes I said that that heart of stone of yours that seeks its own way is going to be replaced by a new heart, and that heart is going to take on the righteousness of God, and in that word it says, and the justice of God, that word means to be fair on both accounts. That is who you are, Bill. That is who I made you to be. I gave you a heart of balance, a heart that is honest, a heart of integrity that is just with what you do, so that whoever it is, both sides win out. And I said, God, if I believe that, I'm going to have to put all my trust in you, totally. He said, I dwell inside you. I will not leave you as orphans. And so at that day, I began to go ahead and begin to make this good news practical in my life to say, basically, God, I no longer possess or own anything. It is yours and all yours, and my heart is been transformed because you made it transformed into a heart of righteousness and justice, and therefore I will absolutely, absolutely hate any false balance and any cunning strategies that I have created habits to do. And it didn't break immediately. But I'll tell you what happened, and I encourage you to at least take God on this. It forced me to trust him, and in trusting him, I got to know him. And in getting to know him, I began to trust him. And I told a story here, which we're going to end with, about a guy that, that his name was Reuben. 
and I ran into Reuben uh, on a trip to Mexico. Reuben had one of the jolliest attitudes I had ever seen. He just didn't seem to be worried about anything. Reuben worked for a very, very wealthy billionaire. And we were staying at this place, and Reuben would come over, knock on the door, and he'd say, anything you need, you ask for, we'll get it for you. If you need a car, we'll get you a car. What do you need? Reuben would get it. Reuben had access to everything this billionaire had, and the billionaire put his trust in Reuben. And Reuben owned nothing. Reuben didn't have a bank account. He didn't have a car. He didn't have anything that he possessed. But he had access to everything his master had for him. And I looked at him, and I said, I want to live like that. I want to live knowing that my father has done all the work and he said that everything you need pertaining to life and godliness I have already gave you and you possess it. Everything, Bill, that you need, I have. I'm in charge of it. To where I would begin to realize, okay, God, if that's the truth, then I don't own anything. It's all yours. Now, I use and have been using those rumble strips a lot. I go back and I make the mistake again and I do this and then all of a sudden I have to say, wait, freedom is over here where the relationship takes place. And it began by the good news that God had already accomplished for me what I was trying to accomplish. God had already made provision for me in everything he wanted me to do. And I had to say, okay, God, then whatever you want me to do, you have promised that I have possessed that very thing And I tell you what, my jump and my walk with God took a leap forward. If you're at a place right now where you say, Cal, I just am stuck somewhere, at least go ahead and start this process. And you're going to see the good news come alive in your life. You're going to see the life of God come alive. And you're going to see the gospel, the complete message, the whole message come alive in your life. And it won't end with just your resources. It'll go into your relationships. You'll start to jump off the table with forgiveness. You'll forgive people instead of saying uh, insult for being hurt, you'll begin to be blessings. And this is what God has called you to live. And this is where I really, really believe if you listen to Nick's message where he says, this is all about loving. And if you get God right, you will get love right. I can't imagine this number of people and those watching on television right now What would happen if we began to enter into this good news of the gospel of God living in our life, transforming our life, and giving us everything that we need so that we could now have a relationship with God? Would you pray with me? Father, as I was even praying on the way up the hill today, I realized that this message is so only supernatural and only you can reveal it. Paul talked to people and even half of the Corinthians didn't understand it because the veil was not lifted. But I'm asking you to lift the veil off of my eyes, off of their ears, off of my ears, that we might enter into what you designed us to enter into. Father, I pray that we won't just stop with part of a gospel like Apollos was teaching but you will burn into our heart this message of love. 
and that the whole message of your life, living this life through us. Father, you gave your life for us so that you could give your life to us so that we could live, you could live your life through us. And I pray that that would be our heartbeat. And Holy Spirit, there's no possible way for us to do this. So we ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Amen.